Welcome, everyone. How are you guys doing? Good, good, good. Can I get the house lights up a little bit so I can see everyone, make sure no one falls asleep today? Just kidding, just kidding. But I hope you guys had a great uh, 4th of July. I, um, we have an amazing country that we live in. Um, far from perfect, uh, obviously lots of issues, but I've been to some other countries and uh, it's, uh, it's rough out there. And we are blessed to live in the country that we live in and just so thankful for those that have sacrificed for us to be able to, to live in the free country that we live in. Super happy to have Teen Challenge here. Aren't they awesome? Yes. Yes. Uh, it's fun to get just a little glimpse of your guys' stories. I know there's so much, so much more there. And, uh, you know, my, my um, concern when Teen Challenge comes to our church or any other church is that uh, we don't represent well as churches and we um, stick our nose up a little bit and think we're uh, better than we are or better than them. Um, I, I don't see that happening here at, at our church or anything like that, but that's just a concern that I have. I think the reality is, is um, we're pretty similar <laughs> and fighting similar battles. And there's some people in our congregation, I, I don't know who, um, that, that are struggling with addiction that need to be at Teen Challenge or, or have friends or family or struggling with maybe uh, other addictions that we know nothing about. And uh, we're all uh, fighting the same battle against sin and temptation and the enemy and the devil and the flesh that desires uh, to have us. And so um, just thanks for, for being here and, and reminding us about the battle that we face as well and that victory over sin and temptation is possible and it's only through Jesus that we can, can find that victory. And so we just turn to him today. Uh, we are continuing our series called Losing the Promised Land. And it's about God's chosen people, this nation that God has formed through Ab Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're called the Israelites. And God gave them this promised land. He said, if you follow me, if you obey me, you're going to be blessed. But if you walk away, you're going to be cursed. I'm going to raise up your enemies and they are going to take this promised land. And so as we walk through the story, we see them falling further and further into sin and losing the promised land. That's what we're going to look at today, Tim. If you missed Tim's message last week, it was awesome. It was powerful. I'd encourage you. I, I caught it online as I was away. Good, good Amazing, amazing stuff. Tim's a, Tim's a pretty awesome pastor, isn't he? He's a good dude. He is a good dude. Yeah, give Tim a round of applause. Uh, his preaching just gets better and better. It just encourages me to just hear and, and learn from him. Dude's smart. Did you know that? He is smart. He has two master's degrees. Did you know that? Yeah, I only have one. So I'm like half as smart as him. So and we have a dynamite staff team, Susan, obviously, Haley, Molly, uh, Kim. I'm not going to name them all or else I'll get in trouble and leave someone off. But dynamite, amazing staff people that we have. If you just continue to lift them up in prayer as they 
just labor and do a, a fantastic job here at Crossroads. We're also, I just want to put a bug in your ear, we're also uh, looking for more team members as our church grows. We need uh, between one and 12 pastors more. So uh, if you know anyone, um, please let us know. We're, we're looking for someone for worship, um, all kinds, every area you can think of, we'll take someone. So uh, if you know anyone, please please let us know. Youth ministry, we're looking for someone to come alongside Molly and youth ministry. Uh, so be praying about that. And if you know someone, send them our way. But I'm going to pray and then we'll dive into the, the message. Um, God, I thank you for those that are here with us. I thank you for our sisters and Teen Challenge. I thank you for those uh, joining us online and those here in the room. God, I pray that you'd use this time to speak to us, to draw us to yourself, and to understand who you call us to be and what you call us to do. God, I pray that we would follow you wherever you lead. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, there are, when you turn on the TV, especially on Sunday morning, you can come across televangelists. You guys know what televangelists are, you know? And televangelists back in the day got a bad rap. And maybe they, they deserved it because some of them were like, hey, give, give us your money and you'll be blessed. It's like, okay, <laughs> not sure it works that way. But uh, I worked for a couple dudes because they got rich off of that. Um, the, the, the real question is, is how is someone blessed? How are you blessed? And biblically, blessed is not about being wealthy and not having troubles in life. Jesus guaranteed that we would have troubles in life. Blessed is uh, having peace, one of the most valuable things that we can have in this life, peace. <laughs> you know, you need some more peace. I don't know if I shared this a couple weeks ago, but I went fishing in, in uh, June in Canada and we were catching like nothing. And uh, the people I was with were kind of like apologizing, like, I'm sorry, we're not catching anything. I'm like, this is excellent. This is the only peace I've ever had in my life. You know, like I need this. The Lord knows we are not catching anything because the Lord knows I need some peace. <laughs> um, but peace, peace is part of being blessed. Huge part of being blessed. Peace, love, life, and joy. That's blessed. That's what blessed is. Blessed is being content no matter what the circumstances are. And cursed is when everything is bad, no matter the circumstance. Rich or poor, that everything is bad. Cursed is the absence of life and peace, love and joy. And as we look at these people, the Israelites, we're seeing this negative downward spiral into sin, into the curse. And uh, I have a picture that I want to show you, um, and this is a horrible picture, but um, you see that? Can you read that? Anyone read that? You guys got some good vision if you can read that. But uh, I show it for illustrative purposes. We have at the top is a list of the first kings of Israel, Saul and um, David and Solomon. Okay, And then the nation of Israel splits into two kingdoms, northern and southern kingdoms. Uh, you have the southern kingdom of Judah on the left. Those are the kings. 
of Judah. And then on the right are the kings of Israel. Okay. Now, why I want to show this, since you can't see it, is uh, red, this is the illustrative purpose. Red is they did evil. Green is they did right. And yellow is they kind of a mix. Okay. So now you can see, okay, the kings of Israel, how did they do? Not so good. Okay. You had one that was so-so. Okay. The rest, bad. Okay. Now you go to the kings of Judah. Oh, some did decent. But it's this downward spiral. And it showed where the people of Israel were at. They just completely turned their backs on God and worshiped other gods. And soon enough, they would lose the promised land. We're right now, as we get into 2 Kings 18, we begin the reign of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the king in the southern kingdom. 715 BC, that's where we're at in history. 715 BC, King Hezekiah, 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 2 says this. He was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abba, oh man, I, I, mess, I mess these up. Abijah, Abijah, there I got it. The daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called Nehusha. Uh, let me try that again. Nehushtan. Okay, so we got a good king. Finally. Finally a good king. He's doing what's pleasing in the Lord's sight. And he's removing these pagan places of worship. The people got so bad that they took this bronze snake that was a symbol for them and started worshiping it. Imagine what God is thinking. They're worshiping this bronze statue. And then God said really clearly in the 10 commandments, don't worship any other gods. Pretty straightforward. That wasn't straightforward enough. Don't make any images of any sort of gods, including myself, right? Don't make any images. Don't worship them. What do they do? The exact same thing that God tells them not to do. And they do it again and again and again and again. They have this sin that they kept falling into. And I talked about this a few weeks ago that we have sin that continues to drag us down again and again and again and again and might the rest of our lives. It's dangerous and it's deadly. Here's their sin. And, and look at how this happens throughout their, their lifetimes. Okay, First uh, Samuel 7. They stopped worshiping the God of Baal and Ashereth. First Samuel 12, they're worshiping them again and then repenting. First Kings 14, they make an Asherah pole and new places of worship to their false gods and sacred stones. First uh, Kings 16, they're worshiping Baal again, setting up an altar for Baal in Samaria. And King Ahab makes an Asherah pole. 1 Kings 18 is Isaiah with Mount Carmel and they kill the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. 1 Kings 22, Isaiah, uh, 
I said that wrong. Uzziah, the king of Israel, is worshiping Baal. 2 Kings 1, they're consulting Baal about the future. 2 Kings 3, Joram, king of Israel, gets rid of the sacred stone of Baal his father made. 2 Kings 10, Jehu massacres the worshipers of Baal. The, he burns the sacred stone of the temple of Baal. He tore down the temple and turned it into a bathroom. And he destroys the worship of Baal in Israel. But in 2 Kings 13, the people of Israel erect an Asherah pole in the capital of the northern kingdom. 2 Kings 21, the new king of Judah rebuilds the altars to Baal, makes an Asherah pole as King Ahab had done, and he puts an Asherah pole inside the temple of God in Jerusalem. Like the, the most holy place on earth, they put a worship piece to a pagan God that doesn't even exist. That, that, uh, this pales in comparison, but imagine you came in one Sunday and we had a bunch of uh, statues of Buddha in this church. The temple of God all of a sudden has this fake man-made worship piece they're bowing down to. That's how far they've gone. Again and again and again, they get in the same sin over and over and over again. And we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. We don't have to keep falling into the same sin again and again, because through Jesus, we have victory over sin. Sin is no longer our master. We don't have to stay there. We can have victory. 2 Kings 18 verse 5, Hezekiah, he didn't walk in the ways of those before him. He broke, he broke that generational sin. It says there is no one like him among all the kings of Judah either before or after his time. Hezekiah was the man. He was the dude. He got it right. Why? What, what did he do? Why was he the man? Verse six, he remained faithful. Here's what he did. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything. And he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. He remained faithful he obeyed. Verse seven, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria and refused to pay him tribute. He also conquered the Philistines as, as far distant as Gaza and its territory from their smallest outpost to their largest walled city. God's hand of blessing and favor was upon him. And we, when we look in scripture and we hear the stories of these amazing people, Esther, Queen Esther, David, Joseph, Daniel, Moses, Nehemiah, 
God's hand of blessing and favor was upon him. It seemed like, like with Joseph and with Daniel, with everything they touched, they succeeded. It doesn't mean life was smooth. They had hills and valleys that we will maybe never see in our lifetime. Awful, horrible things that they went through. However, they were blessed and they were blessed greatly. They weren't blessed because of wealth. At different times, they had some wealth. Other times, Joseph had nothing as in prison, but he was blessed. Why? Because number one, he remained faithful like Hezekiah. He remained faithful. And two, he obeyed. He remained faithful and he obeyed. Do we want the blessing of the Lord? We got to remain faithful. We got to obey him. Am I living for the Lord or am I just doing what I think I should do? Remaining faithful is really tested and seen not in the hill, but in the valley. Not in the good time, but in the hard time. You know, our church, we go through all kinds of different seasons. We've had some amazing seasons as of recent, but we also have some hard seasons. You know, going through this, this uh, capital campaign, we're expanding our church, expanding our building, trying to raise money. You think raising money's fun? Nope. It's not fun for anyone. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're short on staff. You think that's fun? Nope, that's not fun. It's challenging. It's hard. There's spiritual warfare that comes. It's hard. What's easy would be to walk away. When Joseph's in prison, like, God, I give up. You know, I tell our staff, you know, if you left being on staff at a church and went to work somewhere else, the spiritual warfare in your life would decline significantly. Life would be easier. I, I promise you, <laughs> it would be a lot easier if you left on you and on your family. But see, easy is not what God calls us to. The call is to remain faithful. Our character is built and is seen in the valley. Because anyone can ride on the hilltops. Anyone. Yeah, you want to see us? We're going to win the championship. But where character is really seen is the person that goes home and shoots the free throws when no one's watching. They put in the time. They put in the work. It's a small group leader who has to wrangle 12 sixth grade middle school boys every Wednesday night. What a mess that is. And they wonder, am I getting through at all? Am I completely wasting my time? Or a parent who's been parenting teenagers. They don't like me and they don't listen to me. 
I'm starting to think they hate me. Remaining faithful. Remaining faithful. My kids, maybe you're older and your kids, your empty nester, your kids have walked away from the Lord. What am I going to do? Am I going to give up? Do I just give up? Or do I just remain faithful? Do I just remain faithful? Easy is to walk away. But Hezekiah remained faithful and he obeyed. You know what Hezekiah could have done? He could have, with the wealth and power that he had, he could have probably slept with a lot of women. Could have done that. He could have done it in secret. But the call was not to do what's easy, not to do what's pleasurable, not to do what feels good. The call is faithfulness and obedience. That even though I think, or even though I feel something, doesn't mean I should do it. Doesn't mean I should do it. Because I got to do what God tells me to do. God lays it out for me clear, crystal clear. And I just need to submit to God and obey. That's hard. It takes humility. But that's what God asked us to do. Hezekiah was the man because he was faithful and he obeyed. He followed the Lord no matter what. There's another king that was ruling at the same time. Another king. This king, as Hezekiah was ruling the southern kingdom, he was ruling the northern kingdom. Remember the, the northern kingdom rulers? The list was shorter because they ruled for less time because they lost their land first because every single one of them did evil in the Lord's sight. Hosea was one of them. He's ruling the northern kingdom. Verse 17 says, Hosea, son of Elah, began to rule over Israel in the 12th year of King uh, Asa's uh, reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria nine years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but not to the same extent as the kings of Israel who ruled before him. So he wasn't as bad. That's pretty good, right? Verse seven, disaster came upon the people of Israel because they worship other gods. They sinned against the Lord, their God, who had brought them safely out of Egypt and rescued them from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. They had followed the practices of the pagan nations. The Lord had driven from the land ahead of them, as well as the practices the kings of Israel had introduced. The people of Israel had also secretly done many things that were not pleasing to the Lord their God. They built pagan shrines for themselves in all their towns, from the smallest outposts to the largest walled city. They set up sacred pillars and asherah poles at the top of every hill and under every green tree. They offered sacrifices on all the hilltops, just like the nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them. So the people of Israel had done many evil things, arousing the Lord's anger. Yes, they worshiped idols, despite the Lord's specific and repeated warnings. I love what Pastor Tim, he, he shared with us something that we haven't really mentioned in the series. As we're going through 1 Kings, 1 and 2 Kings, it also parallels 1 and 2 Chronicles, which we will not be going to after 1 and 2 Kings. The reason is because it's repetitious. It's helpful because we're given uh, 
more details about these events, but that's part of the story that we're getting right now. We have First and Second Kings is sharing this story, and First and Second Chronicles. And another piece of the puzzle Pastor Tim shared with us is the prophets. Is all along this time the the prophets in the Bible are warning the people of Israel to turn from their evil ways or else God is going to turn them over to their enemies. And they warn them again and again and again. But they, dis- they did not listen to the Lord's repeated warnings. Verse 13, again and again, the Lord sent, all his, sent his prophets and seers to warn Israel and Judah, turn from your evil ways, obey my commands and decrees, the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey. And then I gave you through my servants, the prophets. God is a patient God. And he continued to remind them and warn them, but they did not listen. Verse 14. They were stubborn as their ancestors who had refused to believe in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant that he had made with their ancestors. And they despised all his warnings. They worshiped worthless idols So they became worthless themselves. They followed the example of the nations around them, disobeying the Lord's command and not to imitate them. They rejected all the commands of the Lord their God and made two calves for metal. They're worshiping these statues. They set up an Asherah pole and worshiped Baal and all the forces of heaven. They even sacrificed their own sons and daughters in the fire. Now we got child sacrifice. They consulted fortune tellers, practiced sorcery. They sold themselves to evil, arousing the Lord's anger. Because the Lord was very angry with Israel, he swept them away from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah remained in the land. I wonder why Judah lasted longer than Israel. Maybe because some kings like Hezekiah remained faithful. Verse 20, the Lord rejected all their descendants of Israel. He punished them by handing them over to their attackers until he had banished Israel from his presence. Verse 22. And the people of Israel persisted in all the evil ways of Jeroboam. They did not turn away from these sins till the Lord finally swept them away from his presence just as all his prophets had warned. They would not listen. They would not obey. They were unfaithful. And God did exactly what he told them he would do. How about us? Are we faithful and obedient to the Lord? Are you faithful and obedient to the Lord? I I've saw this on social media uh, the other week. It says this. Our society strives to avoid any possibility of offending anyone except God. That we are incredibly concerned with offending other people and incredibly unconcerned with offending God. We got that backwards. That we need to realize that our sin is heinous. That we have these human beings have turned our backs on God. That we've worshipped other gods. We've made our own. We 
We wish we could define what is right and what is good. But it's not for us to define. We're to follow God and obey him and him alone. I want to just close with a passage of scripture um, that I think relates more to our culture today of where we're at. You know, we might think, hey, you know, I don't struggle. I don't have any uh, Buddha statues at my house. I don't have any Asherah poles. And so I think I'm doing pretty good. Okay. Uh, listen to this. I think this speaks to our culture today. Romans 1, 18. It says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God has made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulge in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, they burned with lust for one another. Men did shameful, shameful things with other men. And as a result of their sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Verse 28, since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, gossip. And they were backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do so also. I think that's our world today. We have no fear of God. We're just about pleasing other people. And our world is just diving into sin and saying every single day that sin is okay. Billy Graham, in the same article that he, he shared this quote with, talked about our nation and the similarities to Sodom and Gomorrah. And what is God going to do? It's intense, right? That's not the message that we always like to hear. But we can't dive into sin and not realize there's consequences. There's consequences. But God 
is a loving and patient God. And forgiveness and grace is available to all who call on his name. So what are we going to do? Are we just going to go our own way and, and realize the curse, see what the curse is like, live the curse? Or are we going to trust in Jesus and repent and turn to God and be faithful? 7.15 is when Hezekiah began to rule. Just before that, 7.22, the northern kingdom would be attacked by the Syrians and, and it would fall. And the people in the northern kingdom would be exiled. They lost the land. They lost their land. They lost their homes and they were driven away. Everything valuable was gone. Everything valuable. They were torn away from friends, family, relationships, and forced to live in poverty in a foreign land. They got exactly what they signed up for, but they didn't have to sign up for it. And neither do we. Neither do we. We can choose the curse, or we can choose the blessing. We can choose the curse, or we can choose the blessing. Uh, I'll invite Teen Challenge up as I close in prayer. God, uh, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth that we can stand on. God, that we don't have to live in that evil, awful way. We don't have to face the consequence of our sin because there is forgiveness available. We don't have to be a slave to sin. That we can have victory over our sin. And I pray, God, that you would help us to find that victory. That you would lead us not into temptation, but you would deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil, Lord. God, I thank you for the example of Hezekiah in in a, a land among a bunch of people diving into sin. He decided not to. He decided to break the cycle and live for you, God. I pray that we would do the same. There's generational sin in our family, Lord, that we would be the ones that would stop it as we turn to you, that we would live in obedience and live for you and that you would bless us with peace and life and love and joy. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name.